oldie people out there in Podland. It's the Chief. I'm back with a new podcast, and this time I'm talking about sport. And on this show, I'm going to be getting a rotating bunch of co-hosts. My buddies, my friends from everyday life are going to come on here and talk about sport. And I think what the premise of the show is going to be, bear with me because it's probably going to adapt over time, we're going to be looking at a sports documentary and then kind of reviewing, discussing that documentary. But in a wider sense, we'll talk about the events of that documentary and you know what we were doing at the time were we involved in that sport we were watching it along with it or you know it's kind of be an organic show we'll see what comes out of it and I am delighted to say for this first episode we're going to be talking about The Last Dance the ESPN 10-part documentary about the Chicago Bulls specifically Jordan and like I say I'm delighted to have on the show as my first co-host a man that I worked with for many years uh, Z-Force One, the big Boz himself, all the way from Bosnia uh, by way of Guildford. It's uh, Boz. How are you, my friend? Not bad, Chief. How are you doing? Yes, uh, I'm doing well. I'm in the loft. As regular listeners will know, I record all the podcasts up here. It is hot and I'm sweating. I've got no windows or ventilation. What about you? How's your uh, ventilation? Slightly better than that. I'm in my living room uh, and it's, <laughs> I must say it's not as hot as that, but certainly a nice day out. Good stuff. Now, we haven't spoke for for quite a while actually we like I say we used to work together and we used to, uh, one of our common interests was basketball now tell me and just remind me and the listeners tell them how basketball kind of came into your life and your hobby and fandom because like I said at the top of the show you're from Bosnia yeah I came here when I was 14 in 1992 uh, bear in mind uh, Bosnia then was a part of Yugoslavia and basketball was a hugely popular sport. I would say second sport after football. It was extremely popular. It was followed. It was followed by pretty much everyone. And not only that, we were good. I mean, Yugoslavia was five times world champion, numerous times European champions. And then chief around, I would say 87. I was nine then. We start getting some coverage of NBA. And that was, that was probably a golden age I mean I, at, at nine I did not know that but that turned out to be the golden age of bad magic Jordan was emerging he had great free centers in Hakeem and, and Robinson and Ewing um, so I started following it and I guess never stopped after what, 35 years 33 years now um, I've been an avid fan of NBA uh, and you say in your home country it was very big but that was kind of on a not an international level because how well maybe I'm wrong how were there many uh, foreign players in the NBA at that time absolutely not I mean that uh, hardly any foreign players in NBA and that generation that was extremely good which we uh, we probably will touch upon Kukoc they I, I started watching them in mid 80s they all emerged when two of Yugoslav clubs was five times European champions Sibona from Zagreb was twice European champion uh, and you got Plastica with Kokos was three times champion, and pretty much that was the first generation that kind of start opening the doors to NBA from Europe. Right, but the but the, the the homegrown players were playing in the home the home leagues. They weren't playing, you know, even in even in other European leagues because it's quite big, obviously in Spain as well. And absolutely, because there was a a law dictated that you could not leave until certainly during the eighties you could not leave, and, and that 
county for footballers until you were 27 and that was just to protect oh, wow. the league and the quality of league so so that was after that most people that were not good for nba ended up you absolutely right chief in primarily spain and italy and and greece and turkey a basketball in greece and turkey is absolutely huge uh, they they've had numerous european champions it quite often gets overlooked you know people the, the you know the mecca and the high point is clearly the nba but I think in recent years, people have come to appreciate how good basketball in Europe especially is. Absolutely. I think, I think the gap from those times when I started watching basketball to now has closed immensely. Uh, NBA is still far better league, there's no doubt. That. But, I mean, it used to be a different sport. I mean, the, the, the game in, in Europe was 20 minutes per half. Where, as we all know, NBA was always 4 times 12. So it was 8 minutes longer. The three-point line was shorter by almost a meter. It was 6.25 wow. in NBA 7.24. So that's why a lot of people, when they moved from there, it was far less athletic, far less physical. It was more finesse and so on. That's why a lot of these great European players at the start, I mean, if you, if you think of Petrovic, who went to play with Drexler at Portland, he was averaging 40, 50 points in Europe. I mean, one finally averaged 62 points for Real Madrid. Holy when he was only cow. 40 minutes game. And yet when he went to NBA, he's, even now he's regarded as probably the greatest European player, certainly the played in Europe. When he came to the NBA, he could hardly get, get minutes, played five, six minutes. <laughs> yeah. He just wasn't physical. Different game. Different game, yeah. absolutely different game. The same with Vlade Divac when he came to Lakers and so on. He could not post as well as the as the NBA players and so on. So he was, because uh, talking about Divac, he was one of my actual favorite players because I started watching I think the 1990 finals which would have been Detroit wouldn't it Detroit beating the Lakers 1990 that, you're very close that was uh, 89 when when Pistons sorry 89 uh, yes that was that was the when Pistons swept Lakers and that was the last game for Kareem okay that was 4-0 okay yeah so that's the first the first kind of NBA basketball I watched I came in literally for those finals and then I started watching the full season the following the following year and Divac was was I guess there around the early 90s for for that Lakers team that you're absolutely actually that was the season he came uh, after Kareem retired Uh, so he was a replacement for Kareem basically yeah and they became my favorite teams Detroit and Los Angeles purely because they were the first two teams I watched and how can you not like a team with Magic Johnson and I was a massive James Worthy fan because I played American football around that time and I because I wear glasses I had kind of goggles kind of the Horace Grant goggles but before Horace Grant there was James Worthy who had those on. so James Worthy yes. was actually my favorite player as well yeah I, I, I always when I talk about James Worthy I think he's probably one of the most underrated players in NBA purely because he had such two megastars next to him playing the same team in Magic and Kareem, who are probably top five of all time. Uh, but he was one of my favorite small forwards that's ever played the game. I, I, I agree with you. I love George Woody as well. Cool. So we've established that. Let's cut to the meat. What we're here to discuss is the last dance and events around the last dance and that era of basketball. We want to keep this excellence going. Once you reach the top, where do we go from here? At some point, the team is not going to meet the expectations. 
<laughs> I like the way you think. What time is it? Game time! Not a good day for Michael Jordan. Pippen is now demanding a trade. The expectations are certainly high. Come on, come on, think positive, man. In the post-game locker room, the word I heard most was adversity. Have you learned to deal with that yet? Sorry. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> the only question, how long can it last? Now, the 10-part documentary, first of all, how did you find it? Did you think it was good overall? Absolutely great. One of my favorite documentaries, the sports documentary I've ever seen, certainly on basketball. Yeah, and and you 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 kind of watch a lot. You consume a lot of sport, uh, live sport, etc. You 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 were famed back in the day for going to pretty much every major European venue there is from a football point of view, but also other sports you take a big interest in, like we said, basketball. But you also watch a lot of sports documentaries as well. Absolutely, I I I love sports documentaries, in particular ESPN Thirty for Thirty. Where I think I've watched certainly over hundred and and. I, I know Last Dance was isn't part of that series, but I will put it in top three, four. Okay, now you 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 keep telling me, and we may get you back on for another show. You keep telling me to watch the Lakers Celtics three part. Oh, that's the best one. That's top. <laughs> <laughs> if you okay. can't talk that, that is very much the top. Okay, one. so uh, more homework for the chief there. If you listen to those shows, <laughs> you know I've always got homework. So homework for me. I'll watch those, and when I have watched them, we'll get uh, Big Boss back on to we'll discuss that that. Uh, documentary series but back to the last dance now this was supposed to air i believe in the states or worldwide possibly during the nba finals and obviously the nba finals and the nba season got curtailed and cut off so they made the decision to push this out there i don't know too much about the background to it whether it was michael's say so about when to release it because it was kind of like if they've had all this footage for so long why wait till now to release it was did he have the final say do you know michael uh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I I actually read article today that he didn't even have an input what the final editing would be, uh, but certainly the dates have been changed due to, due to the virus. Uh, it was supposed to be released later, and and people were saying uh, sort of sarcastically that it's being kind of released to kind of enforce Jordan legacy now that a lot of people think is LeBron better player than him but I mean he was certainly done for him and then uh, um, all the all the footage is all the one the rest of it is just interviewing few players basically it was it was I like really like the format of you know the lots of modern day footage of talking heads in chairs and then obviously it focused on the last dance which was the final season before the breakup of the of the the famous team and all the key components and um, obviously it, it did a clever thing of jumping back in time during every episode to That's feature key like. parts and yeah key parts of not only jordan's career but then you know almost pippin kind of had a big sectional episode for himself so did Kukoc and Rodman and, cetera, and Rodman nice. and Carr had a certain certain they they match him and and Paxson that hit that famous free against Phoenix now what what do you feel what do you feel it did for Jordan overall? Because you mentioned maybe there was rumours going around that it came out to cement his legacy, that he, you know, if the chatter of is LeBron better than him, how do you think Michael would have come out of it? Would he feel happy, do you think? I think so, yes. I think, I think, he, he, I mean, I, I remember Michael's career, the entire career, and, and he, he did capture what, uh, how he transcended the sports. I mean, I think Barack Obama at the end of it said that he was simply a, 
became bigger than that sport. Not the sport itself, but it kind of was people that didn't know basketball, didn't like basketball, knew Jordan and, and admired Jordan. And I think that came across, and it came across how good and competitive he was. I, I think uh, I'm glad they mentioned Chief because that was the first time something came out that really went against him, and it's that famous book, Jordan Rules. Right, yeah. That book, Sam that Smith, book but, was yeah. devastating for, for uh, how he was critics, but it showed how competitive he was. Michael Jordan had become such a huge cultural figure in the early 90s. He was so widely celebrated. Inevitably, there's going to be someone who's going to start trying to find some dirt. I guess one of the things that started problems was Sam Smith's book, Jordan Rules. I'd been an investigative reporter when I started my journalism career. I wasn't, you know, a typical sports reporter coming in. I was sort of interested in what happened behind the scenes. Every time I looked up, you've been on TV. You must be carrying your own with you now. Because everybody always said, you know, pull the curtain back. What really goes on in the locker room? Obviously, when you do books like that, you got to have controversial things. You got to have things that are, you know, people would not suspect or know. The Sun-Times reports the book details conflicts within the team. The book outlines alleged turmoil on the club during its run for the title last season. In fact, it alleges Jordan was kind of a tough guy with some of his teammates. I listened to another podcast called Pardon the Interruption, which is a couple of American journalists, sports journalists. They have a daily show where they just discuss the hot topics and stories in sport, like 20-minute show. And the one I listened to today, actually, they mentioned... That book, uh, Tony Kornheiser, who was a Washington Post journalist, very famous guy, and friend of Sam Smith, the author of that book, he said, listen, Sam called me last night. Uh, he says uh, he's getting inundated with phone calls, hundreds of phone calls, because, of course, everyone wants to speak to him again now, sure. because sure. It, it brought up in the he documentary. Reminded, yes. And, um, yeah, reminded everyone. And he said, uh, Sam phoned me and, you know, wanted to chat for 10 minutes about it. And the co-host said, did you ever ask him... You were a close friend with him, you know, who the leak was, where the leak came from. Was it Horace Grant or whatever or that? And this Tony Kornheiser said, look, I never asked. If he didn't want to tell me, I wasn't going to ask who it was. So now Horace Grant has come out and basically said, uh, Michael was, a, you know, this is lying. It wasn't me. I stood up to him and all that kind of stuff. While the early reports have brought a flurry of denials, players giving out sensitive information to the press is one surefire way to cause a division within the team. I didn't contribute to that. And that was Horace. He was telling everything that was happening within the group. You know, as we started winning championships, and everybody talked about Michael, and then everybody talked about everybody else, I mean, that really pissed off Horace. He felt slighted. He was in Michael's shadow. No, not one thing have I ever divulged to Sam Smith about my relationship with my former teammates. Yeah, and then he said on the basis of that, because Michael clearly indicated it was him, uh, he said that 90% of that was just BS, that they was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it had nothing to do with truth. Although, although Horace Grant went to Orlando and he had uh, two series 
the ten kind of nasty yeah. between them, and I think that it started from it? there as well. Yes, I, I think they, they they met in the playoffs when he was at Orlando, and absolutely yes. Well, Orlando beat them when he came back in '95. Orlando, Orlando with Shaq and Penny Hardway beat beat Chicago. That was a great Orlando team when you think about it. Oh, absolutely. It. Um, oh, they they without shadow of doubt had it stayed being that young, they would have they would have been an NBA champions. It's just the Shaq in '97 went to LA and that team folded. I mean, Penny Hardway was very injury prone but did Horace Grant also win one with the Lakers he went to the Lakers late in his career didn't he oh I wouldn't know that I think I think so I, I cannot remember I think he was there he was at Orlando for a few years and I I believe I believe he could have he could be in Lakers for the Shaq Kobe era when they won the three titles kind of like a uh, Robert Ory kind of mopping up a few titles. How many did Robert Ory win out of interest? Uh, seven. He's apart from the seven. apart from the apart from the that's interesting. Apart from the Boston uh, that famous Boston Celtic team in the 60s that won eight in a row. Apart from those players like Bill Russell, Sam Jones, he's the one with the most titles because Kareem and and, and Jordan's got six. Yes, he's got he, he was just lucky to have Hakeem then to have Shaq and Kobe, and then to have Tim Duncan. He just was in amazing sights, and he was a great catch-and-shoot guy, and he was brilliant in playoffs. They did, uh, just looked up, Horace Grant did win his fourth in uh, 2001. Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, thanks. I, 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 I wasn't aware that, of that. Yeah, he was only a one-time All-Star. 1994 was the only time he got made the All-Star team. I guess, I guess when you talk about Jordan, and I've always said, and I keep saying that he was the best, best player of all time, and his best was better than anyone else's best when he was best. But he never made players that much better. He was more out of fear. The way you can clearly see LeBron making players better. The way you can clearly see Magic made their, his players better. I mean, James Wardy would have never been a, as great player if he didn't play Magic. Jordan never did that. And as as he took so many shots, it, it was very difficult for for any guy to come sort of and, and be an all-star apart from one. And that obviously was Pippen, who, who was a great player in himself. So they were the only two, I think, uh, that, that were there for all six championships, weren't they? Correct. Yes, the team completely yeah. changed. The 91 to 93 and 96, 98, the only two players were Jordan and Pip. And, and that, again, shows how good them two were, that, that they could change everything. And to be honest, I think, Chief, that the 96 to 98 team was better than the first three. Uh, I think really? it was a better year. He had a more depth. He had a Rodman, who certainly was the greatest rebounder that I've seen. He was a more solid team, bad defensively. Steve Carr was a good shooter, and then Tony Kukoc was great player. It's that he was, in my opinion, fourth best in that team. So, yeah, well, the record shows. I mean, they they won the three years that they won the titles. It was seventy-two wins, sixty-nine wins, and sixty-two. Only Warriors in spread of three years won more games. I was going to say we were mentioning Tony Kukoc there. It was interesting that episode because I didn't know anything about him before he came into the NBA. My period of watching was like I said tail end of 89 through to maybe 99 and that was that was my core years but even when Kukoc came in I wasn't aware of his European background just that he was a highly talented player I wasn't aware that Jerry Krause had gone out there and had earmarked him as as the guy to not necessarily replace Pippin but certainly build the team around almost the United States will be the overwhelming favorite in Barcelona among the competition though there's one team that stands out like the USA it's loaded with talent Croatia has built a basketball powerhouse 
There's Tony Kukoc, the 6'10 wizard they call the left-handed Magic Johnson. A lot of excitement about uh, tomorrow's game against Croatia. Our first chance to see Tony Kukoc against this kind of competition. What do you know about him and them? Well, I don't know a lot about him, but uh, if you listen to Michael and Scotty, they know a whole lot about him because apparently it was some mixed emotions about him going to uh, Chicago. With the second pick in the second round, the Chicago Bulls select Tony Kukoc. Absolutely, absolutely. He was he was regarded as the, he was the best alongside with Petrovic, the best European player. They were three times with a small club from Yugoslavia. They were three times European champions uh, in a row, and he he, he was uh, bear in mind he's six foot ten and he could pass and dribble and shoot. And what was very interesting, you mentioned it uh, at the top of the show when we were talking about the the European players. They weren't able to physically play the game in the same way as the NBA players. And when you see Kukoc in his first season with the Bulls, very skinny, very slight. And then as those the next season, he obviously bulked up and put on some mass and made him a better player. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. And it was interesting, and he covers that series, was when during the Dream Team, when Jordan and Pippen um, almost kind of smothered him in a game against when USA played Croatia because they knew he would be coming to to Chicago yeah that was very very cool because well as you're watching the match you know if you're watching it live you don't really think about those things but when then you hear it on this documentary that it was actually a game plan to go out there and almost intimidate the the opposition's best player but fair fair play and credit to Kukoc when they met again in the final they obviously didn't win but he he stood up for himself almost and showed them look this is what I can do I agree with you the first game I think the first game he was almost shell-shocked that he was so man-marked by probably I mean people forget how great the defender Jordan was I mean he was a defensive player of the year uh, and Scotty Pippen was probably one of the greatest defenders of all time. So it, for them to pick on him continuously in a almost irrelevant group game, it was it was certainly a shock to Kukoc. I know, I know it's difficult to compare this to other sports because it doesn't really happen in other sports. But that 1992 Dream Team is the great, not only the greatest collection of NBA talent on one team, arguably the greatest collection of talent on any sporting team ever. Yes, I mean, I, c- I can only talk f- for few sports, but certainly the, that team was the greatest set of talent in anything. And, and the reason being is that the way basketball is set, the game itself, you can't have too many megastars in a team. It's impossible to have Magic Bird and Jordan playing the same team. In football, you can have that to a certain extent. And then they would never play together. Even the All-Star games, it would be East and West. And for the first time, all of them to meet. And it was a golden generation of players. I mean, if you think the centers, the free centers at that time were better than anything in NBA at the moment. And then you got Bird, Magic, Jordan. They are top six, seven of all time. You, you got Barkley, Malone, probably top five power forwards of all time. So Ewing, yeah. David Robinson are better centres than anything in NBA at the moment. I don't know who the selection committee was. Obviously, there's a lot been made about Isaiah being left off. And he's... It's a battle he can't win, Isaiah, now. He keeps trying to slag off and take digs at Michael Jordan. But that's a fight that he should just leave alone because he's never going to win that fight. Absolutely. I I think... think uh, but people, I mean, Jordan was the main guy, and he said, "Look, I'm not going if Isaiah Thomas going." But it wasn't just him. Larry Bird was not pleased with him. Um, Karl Malone and Isaiah Thomas hated each other. I mean, they, they Karl Malone opened 
opened his eye really badly in one of the games. Oh right. When he was absolutely, he was a. I mean, Malone was a pretty dirty player. He, I don't know how many stitches he had, but he was knocked out in the air. I mean, he kept, I think it's even on YouTube where daily run on the pitch okay. and so on. So, so yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas was not good colleague to a lot of players I mean obviously Jordan was the main but he was a lot of them how do you rate him as a point guard though in the in the pantheon of point guards would he be top 10 point guards of all time Isaiah Thomas yeah uh, of if, if, of all time very high up yeah I mean bear in mind in, in the era of bad magic and Jordan he delivered two titles and he was the main player by a mile I would I would chief certainly magic is better than him uh, Oscar Robertson He's certainly better than him. After that, very difficult. He was a better player than Stockton. Stockton obviously had a longer career, more assists, but on his day, he was a far better player. Anyway, they can score 25 points in the final in one quarter on a bad ankle spray. It's it's it's, it's incredible play. I will I will put him in. Well, maybe Curry has passed him now. Top five. I will I will go top okay. five. Uh, yeah. Full yeah. Time. Were there any other? I'm trying to think of other notable exemptions from this dream team well i uh, because the, the idea of that team and it came back later in 96 that wasn't the case that one college player would be picked and 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 for me that should have been shock instead of christian leitner uh and shock was maybe that's one but thinking of those 11 players i mean the the, the weakest player in that team was probably chris mullen uh, and he was a great player in himself i mean Everyone else was there, Pippen, Malone, Barkley, Bird. Interestingly, have you seen the, uh, I'm guessing you have, because like you said, you, you've devoured a lot of these 30 for 30s. I quite like the uh, we, I hate Christian Leitner. One. Yes, it was very what? good. But people forget how great, a, how great a player he was in college. There's plenty of arguments that say his two years combined in college were better than Shaq's two years which is why he got chosen. Oh, I think absolutely. there were other reasons outside of that, but I don't think it was as big a a talent mismatch or pick than many people think, but I think Shaq would have been a better selection purely based on his his size and his potential and what he could have done from a marketing point of view for the dream team. But they might have thought, look, we've got how many marketing, you know, quality people have we got on this team already? Pretty much all of them. We don't need another one to build around that. I think also I'm being slightly unfair in, in a sense that I'm looking slightly backwards and what Shaq subsequently did in NBA. Yes. Uh, I think in 92, uh, you're absolutely right, the, that gap wasn't as huge. I mean, he, Christian Leighton was a great college player. There's no there's no doubt about that. Just jumping back, because we saw in the documentary in one of the earliest episodes, Jordan obviously coming to the Bulls from North Carolina. And I'm just looking at the draft here. Now, obviously, Jordan went number three in the draft. Michael Jordan seems mm. to be the next one up. The Chicago Bulls pick Michael Jordan of the University of North Carolina. Chicago Bulls having the third pick in the draft and went with the sensational Michael Jordan of North Carolina. Jordan who led North Carolina now looking to step in to lead the Bulls. You've got a great opportunity to step in there and win a city that is crying for a winner. Perhaps you can turn that Bulls thing around. What do you think? Hopefully uh, I can go in and contribute and maybe turn it around. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Sam Bowie went number two to Portland, uh, which they got that pick from Indiana, which is, I don't know what he did. He was at Kentucky. I don't know what he did. He must have done something special. He was a centre. And I think what we've talked about here, and which is one of the reasons why I love this era, is I love big man post-play. 
and that's a bygone thing in a modern three-point only NBA league but I love big guys backing people down in the post a short jump hook or a turnaround you know off the glass and I'm guessing Sam Bowie was a big centre that people coveted because Elijah one obviously went number one in this draft as well uh, absolutely, but exactly what you said, uh, because it's almost unthinkable now, but the reason reason why that was normal, you generally build a team around a big man. It was, it was always disbelieved that without a good big man in the centre, you will not win the title. And and the whole thing with, with Portland was that people forget, because what Jordan done is that... Um, there was a uh, Clyde Drexler was there already, who, who was extremely course, good yeah. player. So he 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 already had a, he was drafted in '83, and a, and a third thing that he was when you when you look backwards, then it seems absurd. But when third thing is, Jordan wasn't that great or amazing college player. He averaged only 17 points. He wasn't Kareem. He wasn't Bill Walton. These amazing college player Oscar Robertson he he did three years obviously he's got the iconic shot in 82 when they won the national title but he wasn't a Jordan then then just exploded in NBA but there's a there's a funny story I must tell you this chief um, a guy was begging a Portland um, chief manager scout or whoever whatever his role was yeah. to get Jordan he goes look we can't we need a center obviously Hakeem was always always going to be first pick he goes look we need a center and the guy was going, please, Jordan is such a great player. And he goes, yeah, but God, I've got a guard. And the guy said, well, just play him at the center. He's <laughs> just, <laughs> just game, game and play him at the center. We'll just get Jordan. Obviously, they yeah. didn't, and the rest of his history, is, I guess. It's... Yeah, yeah. Well, even though Elijah one, Elijah one was always going to go number one, I think. That was clear. But absolutely, he had to wait yes. a long time to get his two titles. You know, if you oh, think absolutely. he was drafted in 84, when did they win? The, the two years Jordan in was 90, away, I guess. In 94... Uh, when Jordan retired, um, but he went. He he went to Houston, who had Ralph Simpson, and they did reach the final in '86. Uh, oh right, okay. Celtics, but um, I mean, if if you if you were to ask me, who do you think are the greatest three teams of all time? Celtics and Lakers of mid '80s would be the two. So it, it's it's yeah. it was difficult, and then then when Bird went, when Magic went, when Jordan went, I think Hakeem. The, became the best player and he won the two titles with Rockets. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking down the list and like you said, build it around a big man. Sam Perkins, who was kind of a listed as a forward but also played centre. He went to number four to Dallas. Um, also Melvin Turpin, who I don't remember, went to Washington. He's a centre at number six. Well, Ke- I mean, Kevin Willis was a great centre. He, yeah, he went at number 11 he, in the draft, yeah. Yeah, and he played 21. I think he's played over 1,400 games. He's played 21 oh, wow. seasons in NBA. Um, yeah. He was, I mean, Otis Torp was a centre. Um, yep. it, 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 it just... In those in those days, centres were, were seen. I mean, Charles Barker, that was, that was a great... Uh, if you think how good... Yeah. That draft was the Stockton was only 16th. Oh, is he in this draft as well? Let me scroll down. Yeah, because I yes. see Elijah one at one, Jordan three, Barkley at five. Um, oh, yeah, Stockton at 16. Yeah. Wow. Alvin, Alvin Robertson was a great guard. He he was a yeah, very yeah. good guard. But, I mean, Stockton, what he made out of his career, I mean, but people forget that yeah. when he came to Utah, he was a bench player. He, he, was, he, was, he was not the main guy at all. And then Malone came the next year and they built it up a great relationship. They, they, I think they did a good job in the documentary of, you know, starting at that beginning bit of Jordan coming to the Bulls, which was a team that 
no one, you know, was paying any attention to. They hadn't been good. I don't know if they'd ever been good. They'd before. never been good. Okay, I mean, they'd never been good. I mean, they, plus they're not not an original NBA side. They joined later, very much later, when the NBA was expanding. So they they never right, did anything. Okay. I they never. I doubt. I don't think they were even before Jordan. I'm pretty sure, pretty certain that they've never even reached the conference final, let alone anything else. Right. Okay. Okay. And I wonder how much expectation there was. They didn't. They didn't really touch on this too much in the documentary about what you know. Let's get Jordan. How how far into Jordan's career would, were they seriously then thinking? Wait a minute. If we build people around him, we can win a title here. I I, I say people forget that no one expected Jordan to do what he did. I mean, people knew he was good, but to turn out, but I think. In '85, as a rookie, he was a rookie of the year. He averaged, and bear in mind, Hakeem was in a rookie of that year. He averaged 28 points, and you could see he was extra special. And then he broke his foot when he came in '86 and did that legendary playoff game, 63 points. After that, everyone knew if they, if they added few pieces, Chicago inevitably would be a great team. First round, first round of the playoff, it was against Celtics, probably the greatest Celtic side, with Bird and Parrish and McFay, and and he, and he went, to, he scored 63 points. That's the famous Larry Bird quote. That wasn't Jordan. That was God dressed as Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. We also we also talked, um, or the the documentary foc- focused quite a lot on Pippin, which is understandable because it was even though it was Michael's team. Uh, I'm not sure he would have won six if Pippin wasn't there. That's for sure. I don't think. But I'd, Pippin came out of it almost the worst of anyone. I think, especially that one where he he pulled himself from the game because Phil had drawn up the last shot to be taken by Tony. Chicago have taken their last timeout to set up a shot with 1.8 seconds on the clock. So we come to the bench and. I have this sequence that Tony has run before and he scored before on it. I know he can do this. I did hit a lot of last second shots. So anyway, I set this up and then Scotty was angry about it. I felt like it was an insult uh, coming from Phil. I was the most dangerous guy on our team. So why are you asking me to take the ball out? And I go down and I said, are you in or out? And he said, I'm out. And I remember Phil just, Phil said, fuck him. Pete Myers, come on in. When Pip refused to go in that game, it was like a Twilight Zone moment. Like, what the hell is going on? Scotty's going to sit here. That, that didn't reflect well on Pippen at all, I don't think. No. And, and not, only, not only that, I mean, he, he, and that was a bad, I mean, he expected to have the final shot. It's, it's one of these being in shadow of Jordan. Jordan is retired. That season, Scotty Pippen uh, led the team in points, rebounds, and assists. And then the, for the last shot, the main shot of the season, is, I, I guess he, he got upset. He should have never left the court. That, that was this graceful thing. But I think what also kind of hurt his legacy was the last season when he didn't want to have a operation during the summer, but he did it and missed 40, I don't know, about 35 games in the regular yeah, season before yeah. he came back. Um, Knowing and that's going to hurt the team overall. Absolutely. I mean, they, the first 16 games, they were 8 for 8. And then... then they came back and still won 62 games, but they 
they certainly, certainly, he, he did hurt the team. I mean, look, uh, if you lose second best player, any team, it will, it will, it will hurt them. Um, and and I think he all stemmed from this unlucky signing of a huge long contract when he was being paid peanuts when the when the salary six yeah they being they so good they mentioned I I was listening to another podcast and they they listed in that final year I think where Pippin ranked in terms of salaries and he was something like way way down the list like you know almost down near the 60s or 70s in terms of highest paid but in terms of if you looked at the talent he would have been top 3 probably in the league oh, or something it was ridiculous absolutely I, i'm glad i'm i'm that's why i'm glad they got a huge pay because he was 33 when he left uh, bulls in 98 when the team broke up he did get a good payout for portland he played 4 years for portland right. and and i'm glad that i mean the the people that come voice out of that uh, is the is the Chicago staff? I mean, the, right. the the way they broke that team was incredible. To say at the start of the season, to Phil Jackson, that's your last season. Whatever you do, yeah. Scotty Pip, it, it was it, it was incredible how they treated players and and the coach that won them the won them the most starters. I guess they could say, well, any any idiot can win it with Jordan, and that's how they they treated it. I, I some of my favorite bits were the interactions and, and the bits with Phil Jackson across this documentary because obviously being a central figure he he and the the coach for the vast period of this of Jordan's career I know Doug Collins was there wasn't he initially etc but yes. Phil was interspliced pretty much in most episodes and scenes throughout this whole documentary and I always had a lot of respect for him but it's made me realize actually how good he was as a coach you know, before he came along, Jordan was still on a team that wasn't winning championships. Oh, obviously, he's the most successful coach, 11 titles. But I think what his greatest attributes were, the way he could man manage these megastars. And the same with Shaq and, and Kobe when they were going at each other's throats non-stop. He managed to kind of keep the peace to a certain extent. And he, he, he understood better than anyone that the players were stars, particularly in basketball. I had never met a coach who was that uh, different and genuine when it came to bringing the group together. He had this real interest in Native American history, and he would weave that into our own culture. I mean, he, he brought in Zen Buddhism and Native American Indian philosophies. Everything was about being focused playing as one. A football manager is far more important than coach and he, he man managed people and he, he could be persuasive. He did persuade Jordan to adopt the triangle offense, which Jordan yeah, was incredible. very much against. Very much against that. It's because Jordan said my points will suffer. I mean bear in mind with Doug Collins one season he averaged thirty seven, one season he averaged thirty five points. He never averaged that with Phil Jackson because obviously he was taking less Yeah, but shots. the team weren't winning championships, were they? He Absolutely. switched to the triangle, and then, you know, like you said, he managed to be persuasive, even with the biggest star on the planet. And look, if you, you know, what's what's the, what's the what, what does it matter to you whether you drop off six points a game average if we end up winning a title at the end of it? You know, come Absolutely. On. I was going to say, let's not forget that Phil Jackson, or, uh, Phil Jackson also won two titles as a player with New York. 
Absolutely, yeah, in 1773. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and obviously the five with, with I mean, there's an interesting story. He came in 99 with, with LA and, and Lakers went, haven't been champions since 88. And obviously Kobe and Shaq were together. And Shaq asked him, well, what, what do you expect from me this season? He goes, and he says, simple as this. If you give me 27 points and 15 rebounds, I guarantee you we will win the title. And Shaq took it, it was lazy as anything. He took it seriously that <laughs> season. He was almost anonymous at MVP. They won 67 games and went on to win the title. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very yeah. easy how he could man manage and ask a simple thing. Obviously, yeah. he's going well, that's, and, and And like you said, that's those big egos. And he's he's done it there with two very different styles. You've got Michael Jordan, who is a win at all costs put every single ounce of blood sweat and tears into it but might need to be persuaded to do certain things someone else's way and you've got Shaq who's probably one of the laziest bastards ever <laughs> to lace up a lace up some sneakers and managed to persuade him to you know put the effort in and, and leave it all on the court so yeah, definite skills for Phil Jackson there absolutely i mean if you just think and i think the commentary shows it well how he managed rodman i mean the guy the guy was is, is yeah. insane I mean, i'm still convinced <laughs> insane. I mean, after the final game he just go, disappears for a whole day or goes 10 days goes for two days to las vegas it turns after 15 because he's been drunk it and, turns up on a wrestling show or something i mean the guy's uh, yes, a lunatic yes. In sports, Dennis Rodman is in more hot water this morning. The talk at practice Monday wasn't just about what the Jazz was missing in Game 3, but who the Bulls were missing the day after. Dennis Rodman, once again, was nowhere to be found. Was is it like true that you? Dennis wasn't at practice today? That's true. Is that an excuse, Dennis? No, it's not. What, what's, what transpired? I don't know. He's not here. I got the world heavyweight title! And with Rodzilla in the house, there will be no stopping NWO Hollywood now. So Dennis Rodman ran off after game three. He took a detour um, from playing the Bulls to become a wrestler with Hulk Hogan. That was during the final. And he came back and he had, I think, I think that game that he came back was the most offensive rebounds in the final he did um, wow. against Utah. Wow. I mean, he was, he was I, like I said very at the very start, my, my two favourite teams growing up were the Lakers, the Showtime, and the Pistons. And they're two very opposite styles of play. And I kind of liked the... I was always a massive fan of defence and, um, you know, rebounding. And because as a player myself, I wasn't the best scorer and I couldn't dunk and I couldn't do all these flashy things. So for me, taking a charge or getting a rebound or blocking a shot was, was my dunk. And that was what Detroit were all about. And even early in that career Rodman was leading the league in in rebounding I don't know how many rebounding titles he won but it must have been a few oh a few I, I, I think he did eight or nine in a row it's which is which is which is absolutely which is um and how tall was he for a guy well, that was an extremely I think it's about six nine or something but he he always used to say he would know he would know where the ball was gonna uh, you know the angle that it was going to take off the rim or the backboard and he would just be in the right place and, and almost jump before anyone else. Yeah, yeah. he had he had the sense. And, and plus, he had a great sense of that. And plus, he didn't have to worry about anything else. That He didn't have to worry on the offense. I mean, it's very get difficult, almost impossible to get offensive rebound if you're taking a shot. I mean, that's that's yeah. not going to happen yeah. very often. So it's, and and also, he was, he was 
you know, one of the, for me personally, one of the best defenders I've ever seen, if not the best defender I've ever seen, just oh, his ability to yes. guard guard anyone. Absolutely, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, the battles between him and Malone were legendary. That was they hated each other. Obviously, with all documentaries, you peer behind the curtain. You you know you're un- uncovering certain things that people speak about but they don't really see before and we we knew everyone knew robin was a bit of a lunatic and even some of the things coming out of the documentary weren't necessarily new news to us but it's the other bits where you see him going off and partying and then you hear a bit where it says you know the next night like you mentioned he he'll lead all-time ever offensive rebounds in the finals or he'll you know shut someone down or he left it all on the court his personal life and his on court were two very completely different things and phil understood that i guess dennis is always a a rebel at some point you know he, he wants to join the group but the other part of him wants to be autonomous so we we appreciate the fact that he's a maverick but yet, uh, when it comes time for him to perform, he's always on the court for us, always playing hard for us. Exactly. I, I think... I, I guess how you approach that. I mean, some managers want to be completely... Or coaches want to be completely dominant and, and be able to sort of control the players completely. Some say, well, you give me your best at court and if I'm pleased with that, do I really care what you do outside as long as it's within the law? would you would you really mind if Messi was doing what he does if he got drunk the night before does it really yeah exactly exactly different mindset now there's not it in sport in general in that you know the players looking after their bodies and every top class player probably has his own nutrition his own physician his own dietitian you know they're all uh, trying to get every edge possible Absolutely, and plus the media is so intrusive now that people just say it's not worth the hustle. I mean, fans would be so, so angry with anything, saying I'm paying good money and you are getting... I mean, I mean just the sheer notion of Jordan saying a rookie year, I mean, I think that's what Horace Grant was also upset, saying you call me a snitch, but you were a snitch. Apparently he walked on and they were they were taking coke and... and, and, and there were girls yeah, right, there yeah. drinking and so on and you think I can't yeah. imagine that now not that that <laughs> would not happen he, if it did happen it will inevitably leak there's no doubt course, that the, the media will not get hold of that that's the, that's the thing and and that also goes the other way in terms of the media being intrusive and fine digging the dirt but we mentioned earlier that you know Jordan was the biggest um, star in the NBA the, one of the biggest sports stars globally uh, in an age where, you know, the internet was in its infancy and there weren't, you know, Twitter, there wasn't Instagram. Michael was the biggest without any of that in place. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's it's the fame. I mean, interesting, uh, I listened to Charles Barkley interview. He said it is, and, and Charles Barkley was a megastar, uh, MVP. And he said, unless you were with him, you could not understand the... The atmosphere, the fame, the the show around him, wherever he turned up, and if Charles Barkley says that, he just says he, he was a, such a. I think he was. He did help that Jordan was very eloquent. He spoke nicely, and and he was so marketable. But yeah, to do, to do that in eighties, I mean, who who knew about the shoes? I mean, think think yeah. just <laughs> six years, and I think he's mentioned. I don't know whether it's mentioning Last Dance or Celtic Lakers. I mean, but I think it's worth worth saying this that NBA final of '1980, the first one the Magic played against Philly. Yes. Well, that wasn't even live. It was recorded in. No way. 
Absolutely. Okay. The, the, and, and can you imagine now what? And I mean, primary influence is obviously Bird and, and, and Magic, and obviously Jordan is taking it on an all other level. Um, I do. I do want to. Uh, the other thing I liked about the documentary is, obviously, in the lead up to this final season, they chronicled parts of the regular season, but most definitely the playoffs and finals of all the previous five championship victories, yes. which I I quite liked because that brought back memories as well. So I'm just going to run run down and we'll briefly talk about the the previous five championships. So their first one was they beat the Lakers. For, I know I'd forgotten that was a four one victory in in 1991. Yes, and it and it was it was Chicago's first final. They finally managed to beat Pistons. Bear in mind, Pistons beat them three years running in playoffs. Uh, before that, and they managed to sweep Pistons. And then in the final, they had the home court advantage and lost the first game. And right, yeah, yeah. There is a, there is a great documentary. Uh, NBA does that a championship year, and you can uh, find like and there is a. Sp- Jackson saying for the second game and if you lose two at home you're not going to lose and say guys this is the most important game in history of this club they won that and then went to Los Angeles and Jordan played amazingly and they won three in a row yeah and and it's interesting there like you say Detroit had knocked them out was it three years in a row in the playoffs three years that? yes absolutely three years in three a row years. and you, you see this you see this quite often in, in I know it's a, an individual sport you see this quite often in tennis when someone uh, has has been dominant over someone, or that, or someone gets an upset. The very next round, you know, they, they you can't. They've almost got over their hurdle. They, they've yeah. beaten a player they can never beat, and then Absolutely. when they finally do it, the next round they're just flat, and they've that's their main, that was their main event. But here, so no one would have been surprised, I don't think, if the Bulls beating the Pistons that was their championship almost, and then if they lost to LA, so what? We did what we. You know, Absolutely, but, he would have. He would that. have still been. He would have still been seen as a success. I mean, ultimately, Jordan wanted the title, but that still would have been a successful season. But they finally reached the final, and the idea would be okay. We did. We got to the final next year. We'll do one better. But I would. Yeah. Interesting enough. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about all of them. But I think that was the easiest win. I, I really okay. do. I, right. I, okay. Well, the next the next time up, they had Portland, which was a four-two. One of the things I was going to ask you actually was what what do you think their stiffest competition was? And I think maybe their stiffest competition maybe came in some of the Eastern Championship rounds rather than the actual finals. There was, uh, y- yes, yes, certainly Knicks. Uh, Knicks in 92 took the them paces, uh, yeah. t- to Paces in 98, absolutely took them seven games. Actually, Paces should have beat them. They, they, in game seven, they made few bad plays, but Knicks took them to, to seven games in 92, and in 93, Knicks in the final of East with Pat Riley being the coach, they had a great team, yeah. Stark, Larry Johnson. They were 2-0 two, two up, and, and they came forth, uh, and uh, Chicago came back and won 4-2. Uh, but it, the, the final, I mean, Bay Mines, 98 final, that obviously the last one, the five games were within five points. So Utah gave them two tough, two tough series as well. Um, Phoenix, that would have gone. Yeah, to did game they have a chance, seven. Phoenix? You think? Ah, uh, yes. Think I mean, you, if seven. you think, I mean, if you think, if he did got to the game seven, um, then they would have been favourites. They would have been for free one. They would have been at home. They would have won two in a row that because of a free one down. Um, and yeah. I also think, uh, uh, you can speculate, but I think 
that year when they won it, I think Jordan must have thought, well, I can't do much better, and we just scraped it. I mean, bear in mind, he, he averaged 40 points in that final. 40 points wow. in six games. It's incredible. And, and I think he was, well, I, I can't do much more than this. It's I need the rest. Yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 that comes up again. I've I've heard that mentioned. If he hadn't have retired, would they have won seven? Would they have won one of those two in the intervening years? But I'm not sure. Like you mentioned, there he needed a rest. He was running on empty. Even if he'd have carried on and not had that two year sabbatical, I'm not sure he would have even. They would have won the the the, the three in ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. I, I he might not have got to agree six. with you. I think I think having that reset button and a completely new team did help this he was almost okay i challenge again he comes back he loses to orlando uh, people start saying uh, oh he looks like 45 year old because he was wearing a 45 year old shirt and he almost yeah. kind of okay i've got a new challenge but i can obviously they say at the end of that season that he was happy to stay in 99 had phil jackson stayed yes and i think he said there that team uh, could have cruised to the regular season and reached the final because bear in mind 99 the season was shortened to 50 games which would have suited them uh, and also the seed 8 Knicks reached the final that was yeah. the first time a seed 8 reached the final and I think whether they would have beaten Spurs with Duncan and, and Robinson I doubt it but I think they, in 99 they, would, they had a bigger chance to win than in 94 had he not retired Right. Yes. Yep. Agree. Agree. Um, what did surprise me, or not surprise me, what I'd completely forgotten because my memory's not the greatest, was that Seattle made it to the finals in in the next Bulls victory, and I'd completely forgotten about that team. Absolutely. Ninety six. Gary Payton and 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 Dallas Trump and also Sean Kemp. Very yep. good team. They had a they they had a bad playoff performance um, a year or two years earlier, where they were the first team a top team to lose to eight team they they lost to nuggets right but there they were averaging 60 i mean that season i think they won 64 games this is this oh, wow. is another thing where jordan was to a certain extent lucky which cemented his greatness they in each final leading to the final the the the, the main player of that team was recognized as direct rival to Jordan as the best. Now it seems right. ridiculous, but Clyde Drexler in 92 was saying, well, who is going to win that battle? 91 was Magic. 93 yeah. was um, Charles Barkley, who was an MVP that year. Yeah. The Jordan destroyed him. 96, Peyton, the best defender, best guard. Uh, he'll mark the Jordan out of the game got destroyed yep. 97 Malone was the MVP <laughs> so it's incredible yeah, that he, he didn't he take too kind the documentary the documentary actually has Michael on there doesn't it saying he was pissed off that he didn't win MVP that year he said it wasn't personal against Carl because Carl's not voting but he was pissed off that he wasn't he giving was. it himself Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons wrote the best book on basketball called Book of Basketball it was a bestseller New New York Times. Anyway, he wrote these iffy MVP decisions that he didn't agree with, and the one that's that's absolutely disgraceful was the '97 one. Uh, jo- Chicago won 69 right. games. I mean, Jordan almost played identical to to the season before. The season before, he got every vote apart from four votes. How he got? I, right. I think he was just. Well, Jordan does this each year. Malone was a great player for so many years. 
he's Utah won 64 games and I think they just oh well let's give it to someone yeah. else okay. uh, because Jordan won it pretty much every year so. yeah and then obviously both those they went back to back against Utah winning 4-2 in both of them 4-2 in both of them I think 97 obviously the famous flu game game 5 was pivotal that was a very yeah. close series as well. I mean, uh, game one, people forget because obviously Jordan hit the buzzer, uh, shot at the buzzer and they won the game. But it was 82-82 and, and Malone missed two free shots, uh, free throws. Uh, and, and obviously the, uh, Chicago got a rebound. He went to, to Jordan and he scored on the buzzer. So it was a close series. But 98, I really thought before the final that Utah will beat them. They had a really? court advantage. They were a solid team. And... They were so good, people forget, but they played Lakers with Kobe and Shaq and they swept them. They destroyed them, where Chicago should have lost the Pacers. They they really were adding on fumes. That was the last foray. And and again, with Pippen's back seizing up, had they won the game six, which they should have done, they would have been favored for game seven. I, yeah, I think that, that out of the sixth final, that, one, that was the one that they should have lost. Okay, yeah, that that was a kind of incredible, you know, I know it's it's a TV show and it adds to the drama and the suspense and they're able to do that and play with your emotions, but it did, like you mentioned, they'd just come off that grueling seven-game series against Indiana, which they probably should have lost, Physical, physically beaten, mentally beaten, um, Pippin with the season back in the finals, you know, Utah riding a crest of a wave and all that kind of thing, and it, it having rested for a week or so, it... it it was almost like a movie, wasn't it? Build it up to be almost a David versus Goliath, except the David in this scenario has Michael Jordan on his team. Jordan, so it, yes. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I love these great sporting moments. When you watch them live, you, you think, wow, that's great. But then they gain the importance and the legend to, in, to it as the time goes by. That last game when Jordan stole the ball and, and hit that shot, you knew that three seconds that that was the most iconic moment in history of NBA. I mean, for that to be set out, that he takes the last shot, last shot for Chicago, and to be a title-winning shot is is is, is yeah, almost it's impossible incredible. to script. It's it's. I mean, people forget very few games end up within one or two points. They generally blowouts. It's. Yeah, overall, I think well, great chat we've had here. Um, I thought it was a fantastic. 10-part documentary i i'm not a binge watcher so i know i know you you like to get a box set and smash through it but i i like to almost have a bit of a break but this was one of the few times where when i watched a double part episode on a monday i was like i need to watch that next part right away right now which is obviously a a good indication about how how good and how uh, how how much I really wanted to get back involved? Absolutely, in it. I was I was thinking um, I sh- I will leave it for all ten of them to be available on Netflix <laughs> and then watch it, and then I thought, well, now I'll watch the first two, and then Chief, I could not wait for next Monday. I just <laughs> simply could not wait for the f- whole five weeks to to get to that. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's great documentary. I would anyone that loves basketball, even if you. Uh, no huge fun I think it's still enjoyable yeah. it really well is, you, you mentioned you mentioned that because uh my co-host on several of the podcasts Ben his mum who knows nothing about basketball she's actually started watching it so there oh, you yeah, go it's, it's incredible well, they can't be all fans that, that I was reading that 
you know, Netflix and you're searching for it. At one point, it was like a fourth highest watched series. I mean, that's yeah. not basketball fans. To be that high right. up on Netflix with such huge contact, that must be a lot of people watching that's got nothing to do yeah. with basketball. Yeah. And I think what it did for me on a personal level from a Jordan point of view was I... You know, whatever it is, I generally have been known to take a contrarian view. So during my period of watching the NBA, my key years, even though I would admit that Jordan was the best, I never particularly took that much like towards him because he was the best and because everyone thought he was the best. So I thought, I've got to take the opposing view. Now I don't like Jordan. And obviously, you mellow over the years, then you like, actually, this guy's amazing. You know, I knew he was amazing, but now I kind of like him as well. And then I was on the bandwagon for a long time of, I think LeBron is number one. I think you mount Rushmore of Magic, Bill Russell, um, Jordan and LeBron in whatever order you want them to be in. If well, that's, I think that's my four best of all time. But I, I would have had LeBron at number one. But now, having watched this, I don't know. I, until LeBron gets his own ten-part documentary in ten years' time, <laughs> I think I'm going to put Michael back to number one. So you see, Chief, that documentary was was successful <laughs> when, they, when they mentioned Jordan wanted to build his on his legacy and and that. I think I think the argument will run for a long time, and I think the people that will swing towards LeBron would be the length. Obviously, the guy is now in the seventeenth season, and he's still the best. He's been the best player for twelve years. Always, he's been asked to facilitate to play almost point guard to Anthony Davis he's done that and all of a sudden he's assist leader so he's the most complete player I just think I put Jordan ahead for few reasons Jordan best was better than anyone else best I don't think right. anyone played any sport I follow as well as Jordan played basketball I mean, he feathered Messi right okay and you're you know you're you're your adoration for those guys you mentioned there, Messi and Federer, is well known in, in your friendship circles. So for you to say that about Michael, that's high praise for him. I'm sure Michael's pleased about that. Um, I think LeBron's probably the most complete player, like you mentioned, but I think Michael's probably the greatest scorer we've ever seen and the greatest competitor we've ever seen. And when you put those two things together, then you've probably got the greatest player ever. Yes, I, I agree with you. Even though I think LeBron is in my in my sort of my top class, I guess I I think he's past Magic and Larry Bird, and that's right. huge praise I can give him. I, I okay, think yeah, obviously yeah. Bill Russell and Kareem are their centers, but if you take the centers away, I mean, obviously people you mentioned the greatest scorer, uh, certainly Jordan was. I mean, apart, unless you count Wilt, I mean the guy the guy was averaging fifty right, points in one season, but. but, but <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah. but apart from that, uh, and he was a he was a player when he asked not to shoot but to pass. He was a top assist assist leader one season, and that for a center is almost unheard of. That'll never get repeated, I assume. No, no. I, I mean, I need to dig back into the archives because you know Bill Russell and Wilt. That is before my time, and I haven't taken the time to go back and you know view the archives and watch some games and watch some highlights and look at the stats but um i know you're a bit more of a historian than i am so you know that they're they're well judged and they're well their place among the greats is 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 justified i, I find i find to put them uh, the rest of them is for me it's easy it's bad magic lebron jordan and kareem them two are so hard purely because bill russell won 11 titles in 13 years 
and two of them even as a player coach. And Wilt first seven season was averaging over forty points. Jordan yeah. averaged thirty seven was the highest they ever had. Wilt had seven seasons over forty points, <laughs> and one season fifty points. That famous famous yeah. season when he averaged hundred when he scored hundred points in in a game. Yeah. Mad, mad. Um, Listen, it's, uh, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed catching up with you. Uh, Big Boz talking about this uh, fantastic documentary. If you haven't seen it, go out and watch it. I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you probably have seen it. But um, yeah, uh, hopefully you, you fancy coming back onto the show for another another episode at some point. Oh, s- certainly. I greatly enjoy this. Absolutely. If it's if it's, I can talk fast for basketball. That's the, <laughs> that's that's the one thing I enjoy in life. So absolutely, if there's something on basketball, I can chat for hours. Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks to my guest and co-host on this episode, Big Boz, Z-Force One. Uh, This is the Chief saying sayonara. Mm -hmm.